I'm Justin Snyder. And I'm Stephanie Greenwood Snyder. We're just an average everyday couple. But over the years, we've seen the incredible importance of building community together. We'll be talking with friends and experts about their stories and experiences to help us learn and grow. We don't want to just survive through life. We want to intentionally thrive. This is The Intentional Thriver. Well, welcome back to The Intentional Thriver, the podcast that we talk about how to not just survive, but to thrive. That's right. And today we have our wonderful guests, Hannah and Trevor Chambers. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. How are you guys guys doing? Ed, how are you? Thanks Thanks for having us. Of course. for being on. We're really excited. We always start out of our podcast by saying something that we are thankful for or appreciate about our guests. And something that Justin and I were just talking about today is just how amazing you guys were as our realtors. We were sight unseen, not just this house, but this town, this community, this state pretty much. Well, we were kind of originally thinking of another area. area, Another town. And Hannah, when we were talking to you, you're like, okay, based on everything that you've described, maybe you want to consider uh-huh, this other place, you know. You'll get a smaller house Beach for Tree the price, city. but it's worth and it. And it's like, just fair warning, it's almost impossible to get a house in this city, but, you know, just just check it out, you know. And you guys you guys you made it happen. You guys did the happen. miracle. And we made Trevor go to, what, 10 different houses, <laughs> yeah, knock on bad. the wood, feel. I mean, one of the houses, like the structure was... <laughs> falling yeah. apart well some like, of them were in better yeah. condition than others but no like so, you guys did an amazing job yeah. well, um thank you. you're an incredible team yeah. i will say because um and we can talk more about this later when we you know talk about being a husband and wife team in that dynamic but like it was it was pretty terrifying to buy a house yeah. sight unseen but uh-huh. like you guys did an amazing job and um, yeah. we felt very confident going through the process yeah. with you. So if people are looking to buy a house in the Atlanta yeah. area, look them up, uh, look them up <laughs> yeah. for well, really sure. Anywhere, Cause we've got a na- nationwide network. So, um, we always connect not just Atlanta people all over because the world. We were connected from your sister who lives in That's right. New Jersey. Connecticut. Or- close. T- yeah, tomato, so- tomato. More yeah, up there. <laughs> happy to always help. Really anywhere. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. My wonderful sister. Shout out. Thank you. Even though we couldn't use, utilize her as a realtor, she found us. Yeah. Uh, at this point, we realtor. have like a no family policy on, on, the, the, on the podcast. <laughs> I have seven siblings. You get it just, started. You know, it's just where do you draw the line? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll have like uh, nephews and nieces. Maybe we'll do a season they, of just family. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Let's get going. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into real estate. I'm so excited. I love hearing Hannah's story because you were the visionary, right? So tell us about. She just made it happen. How how this came to be. Yeah. Well, our real estate experience is twofold, both as realtors in terms of sales, but then also in terms of investors and flippers and that type of a thing. So um, I grew up around like people, my dad and my uncles and everybody was buying rental property, renting it out, doing flips, different stuff like that. Like there's pictures of me at like six years old with a shovel oh, in the nice. backyard of God knows where, you know, gloves <laughs> on and all this. Like fully involved. So I just grew up thinking that was normal. And then I definitely went through a stage where I was like, I'm not doing that. Like in college and in high school, I was like, no, it just seems like 
so much extra work. It's so complicated. You know, I'm, I'm just not doing that. I'm just going to get a job and like not think about anything like real estate at all. And then, um, let's see, I was working at, um, Minneapolis air, the airport, the air traffic control tower when the government kept shutting down and all that in like, what was that? 2009, 10, 11. So I ended up having like all this time on my hands waiting, you know, we would be off for a while and this, that, and the other thing. So I ended up buying my first rental property then. I think I was 21 and uh, it was a bank owned property that they had done, you know, a little bit too and this, that, and the other thing. Um, So I bought that then and rented it out. And then we've just kind of been doing stuff like that since. So um, yeah. And then I got licensed in real estate in 2016, right after we moved to Georgia and since then I've been, you know, with a few different brokerages and a few different situations and I've learned a ton. And um, yeah, so I do that, you know, aspect of our whole little situation. And so you left out some fun parts. Oh. I'll fill in. Oh yeah. <laughs> Please give us give us all the details, Trevor. Yeah, I was never really into real estate growing up. Um, I would say my first little taste of real estate at all was um, summers of college. I lived with my aunt and uncle down in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota. Um, and my uncle was sort of a jack of all trades. Mm. So he was working on a lot of different properties. Um, and I was getting some exposure to that through him. Uh, my brother also bought a property in Minneapolis during one of those summers that he was gonna flip. And I was there working on that, helping out as well. So that was sort of my first little, um, I guess getting my, my toes wet a little bit within real estate and just kind of understanding that aspect of it. Um, and then it really started to take off once I did meet Hannah. Um, and again, she had the rental property already mm-hmm. and I would talk with her dad a lot about different aspects of real estate. He was really into it. Her whole family very much into it. So we got to learn a lot. Um, at this point in my life, I was actually in software sales working mm-hmm. probably 60 hours a week, oh, wow. software, um, getting very burnt out. Um, making good money, but just really living a life where I was overworked mm-hmm. and uh, um, just the stress was kind of getting to the point where not really worth it. Mm-hmm. So we all, myself, Hannah and her dad included, um, started looking into investing in mobile home parks. Mm-hmm. And that's really where we all got together as a real estate duo here, I guess, um, to get our start was in mobile home parks. So we went down to Texas. We went to this boot camp where they taught you all about owning mobile home parks. Um, I cashed out my 401k from selling software Whoa. and we mobile home park in nice. West. Um, that was our first property that we owned together. We did that for a while, um, had partnerships with some other mobile homes, um, parks uh, in the Midwest as well. Mm-hmm. And then we moved down here and got into some other rental properties that we can discuss. As for the actual becoming a realtor, that happened when Hannah was pregnant with our second child and she was not necessarily wanting to leave the house as much. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, well, great, I'll go ahead and get my license and you can send me out in the field and I'll go do the showings and all of that. And that's how I'll start all up here. (laughs) Beautiful. It's a lot like showing houses in my defense is a lot like you know, not only are you like dressed up and on your feet and everything, but like 
you know, to be kind of like upbeat and excited and like, here's the detail and like on top of it and stay, you know, in front of people, it is exhausting. And it's, you know, it was summer and I was hot and I was like, I cannot go show like five houses yeah. on a Saturday. By myself so you just doll up Trevor and send him out. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's, actually, it's really funny because we would probably, well, not even probably, we come from that perspective in such different ways. I go into this position as like, I just love houses. I love the structure of houses. I love the bones of them. I love mm-hmm. like the foundation and like figuring out the inner workings of all these houses. Mm-hmm. So people get both aspects of that. Really um, it's working with us and um, it seems to work out well. Yeah. And I can, I can say from like firsthand experience yeah. of that, cause that's exactly what we experienced was, yeah. you know, Hannah would work with us to basically strategize Paperwork, essentially numbers. like the, the, yeah. Like, what do you want? What are your goals within it? What are the area, you know, like a lot of the big picture stuff, the offer letter, the offer huge. letter, you know, uh, the partners, all, all of, all of the stuff that we yeah. don't even know goes into right? real estate, yeah. you know, and then Trevor did such a fantastic job right. in like doing the walkthroughs, um, and we would just out have is... like the most random questions, not only for him, but he would also like pick up on the most yeah. like detailed things and like, oh man that baseboard is like this type of material. That's not going to last you very long. It's, you know, like little things like that, yeah. that like yeah. we really appreciate. One of my valued. favorites was the master bathroom had like a hole between like the main area. Yes. And I just remember him looking up and being like, with us on the the phone, you know, and he was like, "Do you really want that?" It's like, like that's weird. No, we're good. I remember that house. Yeah, that was interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. It's still on the market there to this day. No, I'm kidding. So, um, talking more about like being a husband and wife team, like um, Stephanie and I worked. You know, we have worked together on on multiple advent, you know, ventures in our past, and even some yeah, currently yeah. that we're working on. I mean, <laughs> like a podcast. Like a podcast. <laughs> um, there are some really incredibly beautiful parts yeah. about being partnered with your spouse, um, and there are some things that are a little trickier at times. Like, can you guys talk through some of the? Um, like joys and struggles or, or what that's like that, that dynamic of working together as a husband and wife team within that, that field. I think the hardest part is with having small children mm-hmm. and you now our oldest just started kindergarten, but our youngest, you know, we don't have any outside childcare or anything. <sighs> and so some days it is like, we're ships passing in the night, you yeah. know, I'm coming home from a meeting. He's walking out the door to go show property or go, Look at somebody's air conditioner or whatever the case may be. Yeah. <clears throat> just making sure one of us is like home with the children all the time. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I haven't seen you all day, uh-huh. but we've both been like doing something, you know, with yeah. units in the house at the same time. Uh-huh. I know the most recent um, investment property that we bought earlier this year, he was literally there all day, every day for what was it like three, three weeks, weeks, probably. Oh, which man. Not like that long in the grand scheme of things, but when you're in it, you know, He's there working all day, but I'm here with both children, you know, Carson in preschool, which is only three hours a day, and then still like working and upholding yeah. everything yeah. and trying to like do laundry or like buy groceries. It was like bananas. In fact, I think we learned a lot from that experience in terms of probably what not to do next time. Uh-huh. Noted. Done any big out. projects like that with small children. And right. that was really, really, I think, hard on both of us. Mm-hmm. So I think we've we've tried the all in project and that's not going to be how it goes next time. But now we know. Yeah. 
Lessons I learned. think that working together, it's easy in a sense to be very much in sync with one another mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Um, we know, generally speaking, what the schedule is, uh, what each other are going to be doing during X amount of times. But at the same time, there's also challenges within that um, when real estate is, there is no necessarily consistent set schedule, mm -hmm. right? Something can change very last minute mm -hmm. where we've got to be extremely flexible in a life that may not provide as much flexibility as we need at times due to the kids, due to activities, due to each other's activities that we want to be able to do outside. So um, there is a very fine balancing act that needs to take place on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And it really is truly a daily basis yeah. um, that we're going through this. Um, but I find, I think that we do for the most part, a pretty good job. Yeah. It's mostly logistical. We don't really have, we really honestly don't have conflict in terms of like, Oh, I think we should do this. Or you think I should do this. And you know, I think we should do this or whatever. Like in terms of business decisions, I think we actually do pretty well. It's just like a whole logistical, we have like Finding a color coded calendar. And yeah. Like all that. yeah. Yeah. So you guys have really experienced such a shift in the market, right? Over the last three, four years, you, your mm. whole, I bet every year to year has been so different from your experience. Almost, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, wild. Right. Um, but how would you say are what would you say are some common misconceptions of realtors mm. and has that changed throughout the years? And what are some like commonly yeah. things that you hear about like why someone wouldn't work with a realtor or their fears of realtors or things like that? And I'm sure this could be like a whole podcast in itself, and of itself. Yeah. It's just, like just this one question. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he mentioned sales earlier, but I think like the reason I got licensed in the first place and the reason I think a lot of people do it is to solve problems. Like I'm kind yeah. of the logistic type yeah. A, you know, one between the two of us, if you know, a little bit more so. Mm -hmm. And you meet somebody that's got a problem, you know, people move for all sorts of reasons, but most of them are problems. You know, they get mm -hmm. married, they're moving in together, or they have two kids, they are having twins. Now they need a bigger house. Yeah. You know, there is a death in the family. They need a smaller house. Maybe there's a divorce. Maybe there's a financial problem that they can't stay in the house that they're in. It's usually there's a problem to solve. People mm -hmm. don't move because it's like super fun, mm -hmm. especially in this market. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the most rewarding part of it is you are, you know, helping somebody that has a problem solve yeah. their problem. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, they are so thankful for you because they don't have to worry about that 5,000 square foot house anymore now that, yeah. you know, their husband's passed away or, you know, we've heard all, hundreds and hundreds of stories, literally, of somebody that, you know, was at point A and you helped them get to point B. Mm -hmm. And that's why you do it. Because at the end of the day, there's that person that's so thankful for your help and they don't have that weight on their shoulders mm -hmm. anymore, no matter what that is. So I think that is probably the biggest misconception at the same time of realtors, because at the same time, everybody thinks, oh, you just get this license. It's so easy. You can get it on the Groupon for $200, $190, take a little test, and then you make tons and tons and tons of money. And it's just not that way. Number one, I mean, the test is, you know, it's cheap to get a real estate license, but it actually is kind of hard to pass the test. Mm -hmm. so even after that. You know, obviously there's tons of like different fees involved in that. It's not just like all, you know, like, you know, take home profit and everything, mm -hmm. but it is hard. There are a lot of days that are very, very, very hard. Mm -hmm. so we're 
working with all of these people that have all of these problems, right? Like they're moving yeah. for a problematic reason. And that leads to a lot of emotion, yeah. you know, and when emotions are high and then something yeah. doesn't go quite as planned, yeah. you know, you can imagine how that plays out sometimes. So a really big part of it is managing people mm-hmm. and then simultaneously managing your own like self what's that called? Somebody calls you at dinner time to yell at you and you're trying to just like, clean yeah. for the first time all day. Uh, you know, how do you cope with that? And how do you wake up again and do it the next day? Things like that. Sure. Um, you know, so that's like the people part of it. And then like you mentioned, there's the contracts part of it, mm-hmm. which is a very, very, very expensive mistake to make if you make a mistake with a contract and something goes wrong. Um, I've seen people that I was very close to in real estate make very, very, very expensive mistakes and have to write out checks for $10,000 to people because they made an error that even, you know, we pay for error and emissions insurance, but if you're at fault, they're not going to pay it. So you, I've seen these things happen and it just is very eye opening in terms of how low the bar is to enter into this field, but actually how difficult and how high stakes it is. Hmm the clients that you're working with. So I think that's the biggest misconception is people just think, oh yeah, you just, it's so easy. You roll right in, you get this license and then you make all this tons and tons of money. I mean, people can do math on commissions, but there's so much more to it than that. And I think it is, you know, especially when you're new, a difficult job, yeah. you know, not make any mistakes and keep it all afloat. What, what about for you, Trevor? What are, what are some things that you'd say are, are misconceptions or misunderstanding within being a realtor or the real estate market or, you know. Yeah, I think that what she said was pretty much spot on. And to kind of elaborate off of that, um, you know, with so many different realtors being at different levels and they're just being a lot of realtors in general, when people are looking for, when they're looking to move into a new area, for example, and they don't have a realtor, maybe they'll go on to Facebook and say, you know, move into the area looking for somebody, they will get just bombarded mm. with hundreds and hundreds of messages of, work with this person, work with this person. And mm-hmm. I think the misconception is that it's almost like a used car sales kind of a gig mm-hmm. where people are going to be really pushy and they're going to really fight and be super aggressive to try to get you to buy a house, um, get you in something that maybe you necessarily don't even want just because they're trying to make a buck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that, like from my perspective, that's so backwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, there's been a handful of times, I mean, with you guys even, I remember I will go in and I will show a house and I will say to the people that I'm showing the house to, I cannot in good faith mm-hmm. recommend that you buy this house. Yep. My job is to sell a house yep. and I will tell people that I'm showing houses to not to buy the house that we're looking yep. at so because there are true. it doesn't meet the criteria. Mm-hmm. They might fall in love with one aspect and judges or clouds their judgment of other things that they're not seeing. Yeah. Um, so I just think that the biggest misconception is that we're just all sharks and uh, mm. Hannah and I um, really just honestly care about the people that we're trying to get into these houses because, I mean, we've been there and we know what the experience is like. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. I remember that house. I remember they had like wa- clean, um, painted everything and it looked immaculate, especially yeah, on camera. Yeah, from like camera. the photos at a distance, and everything looked yeah, good. But when and you, you would started, go in and like touch stuff and it was like Boeing and yeah, yeah that was a like really the baseboard yeah, uh, deal. It was a house that they didn't necessarily know what they were doing yeah. and you can't see craftsmanship and quality necessarily on camera, mm-hmm. uh, but in person it was, it was not great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
So uh, there's a big question right now, you know, buy versus rent, especially Ooh, with man. the market, right? And because I mean, too, like, you know, you're talking about the emotional. I know yeah. we've talked about that a couple times. Like a house is one of, if not the biggest purchase that someone will ever make in their lives. Like that's a huge decision. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of factors yeah, that play location, into that. Location, actual house, yep. street, you know, so many. Yeah, na- school system. Neighborhood, school system. Yeah. How big is it? Is this like a starter home? Is it a long term? You know, there's right. there's so many pieces. And obviously, every situation is going right. to be different. I saw something on Facebook that made me laugh. You guys will appreciate it. It was like, when I bought my house in 2019, I had no idea this was going to be my lifelong house. Right. It's <laughs> like, like my starter home became my <laughs> like lifelong home because <laughs> yeah. of Because they're like, the, the market completely Wait, changed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they say if you're going to stay in the house longer than two years, financially, it's better to... because. I mean, that's assuming you take out a loan and have closing costs. Mm-hmm. It's better to buy than it is to rent. If you're going to stay six to 12 months, it's probably better to rent unless you are going to keep the house to rent it out afterwards or something like that. So wow. I think that's what they say the general rule of thumb is. Okay. But the problem right now, <clears throat> I'm working with this adorable young first time home buyer couple that, you know, they're on a budget, just like everybody, they're on a budget, yeah. rates are in the high sixes, blah, blah. Wow. And, you know, they just can't find what they want in their budget, in the location, like you mentioned, the school district, et cetera, et cetera. And they're saying, we might just have to rent for a year, you know, and try again next year when we've got more time. And the, the thing that we're hearing a lot from renters right now is we're going to wait till rates come down. Yep. But when rates come down, we're going to have a flood of buyers come into the market because right. there's all these. Waiting. The statistic they told us this morning was 35%. That oh. Buyers is going to go up by 35 percent what's that going to do to the the prices what they're going to go up even more and we're still in our market in our little micro south atlanta market prices are still going up yeah so the better idea financially you know so even if rates go down say a whole percentage that could save you a little bit of money yes but you're going to end up going to pay way way more for the house for the house yep and likely with really, really worse terms, because when there's that much competition, if you can even get accepted something, exactly. you know, give up your firstborn child just to get your yeah. offer accepted. Yeah. So a lot of people I'm saying, I know the rates, yes, but you will be, you're in a better position now to buy than you will be a year from now when they do predict that rates will go back down. Mm-hmm. And then you can also always refinance or we've got really great options to get even a lower rate right now from the get go. Right. But, um, you know, once that pri- those prices go up, then that's what the prices are. So right. it's a whole Man. balance. 35%. <laughs> that is crazy. A lot more intense than when y'all bought. Yeah. Oh yeah, just a little bit, and that yeah. was pretty intense too. That was pretty like, intense. There was nothing because we had looked in 2019 to move, and we could have had anything we wanted. It felt <laughs> yeah, like, only, only and, then. <laughs> and then yeah. we look, you know, three years later, and it's like, whoa, you know. So that's a really good point. I mean, I have multiple friends who are mm. renting right now, waiting for the rates to drop, yep. and that's a really good. I don't, I didn't even think about that. Like just the competition yeah. in a couple. Years. If it goes, if it goes down, cash offers and X amount oh over asking, word. and you know, yeah. way they always say you marry yeah. the you marry the house, but you date the rate. Oh, you always change your rate, but if you get in the house at the purchase price that you like, 
then you're locked in there for as long as you want to own the house. Sure. But you can always refinance. Yeah. And even now they have like these 1-0 buy down, it's called, and it doesn't cost very much. So we're actually still able to negotiate those in mm. from the seller pays for it. And it reduces your oh. interest rate by a full percent for a whole year. Yeah. And then by then, allegedly, the rates will go back down. So huh. there's really no downside to buying now as opposed to next year if somebody was thinking like this year, next year, the year after, if you want to buy right now and you can't find something that you that you want to buy or something that meets your needs and you end up going to rent, I would be more flexible in terms of where I look for rentals hmm. as opposed to, you know, you want to be like, again, in a specific area for buying a house, but you have to rent. I would expand your area of what you'd be willing to do for that time frame because even when um, the home prices for sales have gone up, um, rent has gone up significantly as well. That's right. So if you're able to be flexible in the meantime and look a little bit further out until something maybe comes available, um, rates drop, whatever. Um, but the, really, I think the short and true, honest answer to this is if you want to buy a house right now <clears throat> from us, and if you want to rent a house right now, <laughs> rent one from us. <laughs> Amazing. The whole package. So we got options. That's awesome. Well, speaking of rentals, yeah. I do want to talk about that a little bit more about, you know, you guys own multiple rentals. You have done the rental thing or still doing the rental thing. Do you like, still have the rental from when you were 21, Hannah? We sold, we it, sold it like a year or two ago. Uh, wow. Uh, do you feel like a part of you was leaving or were you like, I'm so glad to see this go? I know it was such a great house, but even like when we went to visit the Twin Cities, it was like an hour drive from where we would stay. It was just not like in an area we ever were. And I think part of the beauty of like us and rentals is that he does most of like the maintenance and the upkeep and everything. And so it just got to be this whole situation to like hire out everything and, you know, logistics to even like if you hire out work to get somebody into the house when you live down here, because we do all the management of everything ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So I, again, like I'm sure this question could be a podcast in and of itself. Like, 100%. let us know when you guys are starting your podcast yeah. because, you know, like you could talk about so many Spin things <laughs> on this. Oh my goodness. But specifically within rental pro- properties, like what has that process looked like? I mean, is that yeah. something that, I don't know, like everyday people like us and a lot of our listeners, is that like an attainable goal? Is that something people should consider? Yeah. You know, again, like a, a lot of <laughs> questions within that, but can you talk a little bit about, like your guys' process, mm-hmm. what that has been like, you know, is is that a smart move for people to try to work toward and make? I mean, I think it's a smart move. <laughs> What's nice about it is, you know, obviously being in sales and real estate sales where it kind of goes like this sometimes, it affords some financial stability having more, you know, having properties that cash flow every month. Mm-hmm. So that's the most attractive part about it. And I think for most people, that would be the most attractive part about it. But I also know a lot of people that don't do do it necessarily for the cash flow, but just, hey, in 30 years, these will all be paid off. Mm. Not by me. My, my renters will have paid them off. And then that's that could be your retirement or that could be, you know, something that you would leave for your children if you're older or, you know, that type of a thing. So I think there are major positives to it. I think what we have that maybe other people don't have is just guts to mm. just do it. Because I do think anybody could probably do it, but you hear all these people, oh, I'm not getting into that. I don't want to deal with tenants, you know. Right. Um, and it's not necessarily sunshine and rainbows every single day of the year, sure. but I do think it's worth it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say every single person out there can do it. And it's not something that's necessarily difficult to do. I think the biggest hurdle for most people, probably guts is, is one, of, but then also just the capital to invest mm-hmm. in first. There are ways to get that. There are a lot of different ways to get that. And people don't know um, how to go to find different you know, avenues to, to get that in, in order to start. Um, I would say that if anybody wants to start, really take your time in the beginning to educate yourself mm. and really learn about the financial side of things and what's important and what you're looking for in this and um, understand, you know, how much things cost. And if you have to hire something out, how much it's going to cost and, you know, understand um, X amount of month you have to uh, budget for unforeseen costs and taxes and and all this stuff really just understand the whole process because there's a lot more involved in just buying a house making it look pretty and then putting someone else in there to collect money from yeah yep i think ever since covid too like the airbnb like vacation rental market changed quite a bit and like right now there is a ton of demand for long-term rentals in our area we were talking about that this morning at my meeting as well the, cause, cause the films come in and they say, okay, great. You're going to work for the films. You get this stipend. Uh-huh. Allegedly, we don't really know about the films like you do, but they, we heard once somebody said that if you don't use your rent stipend or whatever, that you just basically lose it. Like it's a perk of your package and you don't use it, it goes away. It's not like you pocket it. Mm-hmm. So the films come in and everything is basically, you know, rented to them because they're you know, upstanding citizens with good income. I mean, excellent. Excellent income. <laughs> then where does okay, that We're not on strike. <laughs> 550 credit score, barely qualified person who mm-hmm. still also needs a rental yeah. to live. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in this case, the person who doesn't qualify for a mortgage. So mm-hmm. it's really, really, really tough to find rentals in our area, in our market right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much a nationwide thing, actually, that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Um, that to me is like a more secure investment, a long-term rental, because the demand is so high, especially mm-hmm. in our area with like great schools and everything like that, that there will always be demand for a long-term rental. Mm-hmm. You know, like when COVID was happening, we thought, oh, okay, we should get a cabin in the North Georgia mountains. So I set up, you can set up, you know, like an e-search mm-hmm. yeah. for yourself. So I set up a search for like what we would want in like this little cabin. And I thought we could buy a cabin and like Airbnb it out. And man, are the price every, I get in the emails now, price drop, price drop, price drop. I think everybody was thinking the same thing we did. Mm. Now, a lot of them, they're trying to sell them. They bought them, you know, to Airbnb it out. The mm. price was high. Now there's, the market is just infiltrated. If you go on Airbnb, you want to go to the mountains for the weekend. <laughs> you have so many choices. Mm. You yep. anywhere. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more risky, I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if we've thoroughly vetted a tenant, we're like, okay, they're going to pay like 99% yeah. of the, you know, chance they're going to pay. Yeah. But do we know if this house would be on Airbnb rented right. two days out of the month, 10 days out of the month, 30 days out of the month? I don't know. You don't really know, but your yeah. costs are the same to own it. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more risky for me. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. But I know people that do really well with it too. So. Yeah. What are questions that you get asked a lot as people are vetting you or you even wish people asked you? Yeah, that's you? true. Um, yeah. I think this was something when we asked if you guys would be on the podcast, 
Hannah, your brain was just like, oh my goodness, yeah, we need to talk about all these things. They're so important because people don't know what to ask because they have misconceptions or they have fears or they think they know it all. Like, you know, both sides. Or again, it's just a very emotional time Mm -hmm. and your brain is focused on so many other things that it's like, man, I don't even know where to begin in this process. I know I need a house, but, you know. So what are your top questions that you're like, everybody should ask their realtor Mm -hmm. this before signing? that they're going to work with them. Yeah. So the number one thing you could vet someone very quickly by asking how many houses did they sell last year? Mm. Could go, go as far as to divide it up into buy sell. Mm. If somebody takes 12 listings in a year, I would argue that they're definitely not the best choice to represent you as a buyer Mm -hmm. because it's a very different skill set to be a listing agent versus being a buyer's agent, especially in this market, you have to, write a ton of offers in a week. You have to probably lose some, you know, and know what you needed to do and learn from that and move on. But if you're a buyer, you need to work with somebody that has worked with a ton of buyers in the last 12 months. And if you want to sell your house, I would ask the same question. How many houses have you sold on the listing side? How many houses have you sold as a, the representative of the seller mm-hmm. in the last year? Yeah. And you can get a lot of information from that. Asking like, what is the plan? You know, from, from the start here, walk me through the plan. What is this mm. process going to look like? Oh, Day one, we're meeting right now. What are you going to do for me tomorrow? Like, how is this going to start? What are you going to be doing? What can I do to help in this process? Um, and just get a total rundown from that point until closing. Um, what is everything that's going to happen? What can I expect? And just understand, um, so it's maybe a little bit easier to conceptualize through the process. All right, here's where we are. I know what's going on now. I'm not confused. We're not out of, um, not necessarily out of order, but things are going to plan. You know what I mean? Sure. So you understand where you're at and how things are going. Just, it, I think it eases minds a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And it just makes sure that you're on the same page throughout the entire process. For sure. You're right. Yep. I would say the main thing is don't use an agent just because your neighbor's alley down the street mm-hmm. plays poker with her and she thinks she's a great person. She probably is a great person, yeah. but you have to interview this person as though they are really in charge of what you said. Exactly. The biggest purchase of your whole life. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that can go wrong throughout the, every step of the way, every step of the contract. Mm-hmm. And you know, you just have to really trust that that person is the best representative of you. Yeah. yeah. With a market that's, changing so much, like you're saying monthly, daily, you know, just, and we're in kind of a crazy time when it comes to real estate and market and all, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And that's from someone who is not a professional by any means on, on that front. Like, how are you able to stay up to date on that stuff Mm -hmm. on, you know, the, the market trends and the changes in real estate and all of that stuff? Cause I'm sure there's so many cogs that are obviously out of your guys' control that are part of that machine that's constantly moving. Like, how are you able to keep track of all that? We, we keep relationships with people that are smarter than us. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are people who do, um, you know, mortgage lending. I work closely with somebody who's a VA loan expert. Mm. We spoke with um, people this morning that do um, loans for land specifically. Mm. And they come in with all this, you know, so they're really, really studying in terms of like rates and loan programs and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you can't be everything, you know, you can't Mm. be, you have to know the market, you have to know the basics of lending, but then you have to have a really good network of people that you can refer to for 
the more difficult questions and forecasting and things like that. So I say just keep keep a good network of really, really good vetted people. There's, you know, excellent closing attorneys in town um, that you're able to meet, things like that. So if you've got a little bit of a question about, what could this be? Yeah. You've got somebody fantastic to call. That's a really, really big part of it. I've spoken with lenders just a couple of weeks ago and they're like, if we lock today, you're good at this price. You know, if we don't, then it's going to go up, you know, and then that obviously affects your qualification and your buying power. So it's a big deal to work with a really good lender and a really good closing attorney. Yeah. Yeah. We find ourselves in social situations a lot with people like this too. So it's easy just to kind of, um, you know, talk shop, so to speak, um, when you're sitting around and relaxing and it's not necessarily a formal learning experience, so to speak, but you are taking a lot of what you're hearing in while you're just sitting around and hanging out. Mm. Uh, so it's taking um, advantage of opportunities like that mm. or the more formal things, like she said, really just surrounding yourself with people who are a lot smarter than you. And it's really easy to find if you are willing to go out and seek people out that know what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, that's why we do this podcast. We need because to learn. we always talk to people who are smarter than us, which isn't too hard to find. But areas in certain areas. The main thing is just don't look at the news for any of this information. Yeah, it's good. Daily basis, it's just too um, broad. Mm. You know, like there are people on the news all the time. I see. Yeah, housing. The housing market is falling. It's crashing. Prices are plummeting. And I'm like, that's weird because I can look at all of the statistics on Georgia MLS and they are really still going up at a pretty dramatic rate. So, you know, but I get calls daily from people who are interested in buying who say, yeah, but I see that rates are coming or that prices are coming down. So we're just going to go ahead and wait until prices, you know, come down a little further. And I'm like, well, they keep going up. And we had the same phone call 12 months ago and they've gone Mm. up 20%. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're so right about that tools. Like even just seeing my sister go through in, in her, her career, how much, um, she's learned and she won her last two first offers for, for her clients. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. I'm like, one of them was a first time home buyer. Changing. She changed their lives. Yes. That's a huge deal. And she learned like, oh, how to write it or how to position herself or how to call the listing agent and say what what uh, what's really important to them or how to like all these tools that I definitely went that one of them she actually listed at the same time as one she knew was going on the market two streets down that was a higher price. And she put hers right below, had less offers on it but much 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 higher Mm. came out actually getting more than the house down the road anyway i don't even remember all the details but it was just like things like that we just we saw it on the news yeah Yeah. (laughs) she wasn't looking at just that one house she was looking at the trends for that neighborhood the trends for that town um the personalities you know like there's so much that the just the soft skills and the hard skills that really fall into this yeah it's like Like, it's a lot of people management it's a lot of analytics it's a lot of like financial knowledge it's a lot of you know watching a lot of hgtv i'm sure you guys but think about also think about those people's experience yeah. right so because your sister was willing to put in the time and yeah. surround herself with the right people mm-hmm. um these individuals had incredible experiences and they're now going to go out hopefully 
and tell other people about it. So now we're going to start compounding these experiences based on you being willing to put in the work and surrounding yourself with the right tools and people. That's right. Yep. And it really honestly makes our job jobs easier on ourselves when the more ed- we're more educated, mm-hmm. the more educated we are. Sure. So, you know, if you go to list somebody's house and I don't know, you kind of feel like you might have the price right, but you don't really know much about the area or anything, you know, there you might tell them something, well, what do we expect? You know, are there going to be a ton of offers? Is it going to go fast? Is it going to go quick? They're going to ask you all these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you walk into the same appointment, yep, okay, so the average days on market in your subdivision is 19. The average days on market in your high school district is 17, whatever. They'll, they're knowing that we're going to expect for it to go on for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you know, if that's the average. Um, you know, just things like that, knowing the really, really niche micro market that their house is in, not the state of Georgia or even in Fayette County or mm-hmm. wherever but even in you know a certain subdivision or a certain school district, how fast do those houses go? Yeah, and I remember you telling us that even within our town, um, you know, this is a little more desirable. This is this is some benefits because of the golf cart paths, you know, like mm-hmm. or yeah. you know, this is the older side of town, but it's much quieter and they uh, don't have as much noise pollution. I had never heard of noise or and smell pollution yeah, before. We're, we're from Florida. It's just- <laughs> The wild west. <laughs> the style of a house, like a yeah. ranch, a serverless house, mm-hmm. you use you know completely different information than you would a two story right. or a basement versus no basement. Yeah. I mean, you really have to be yeah. specific in what you're looking for and what you're learning. That's true. Hills yeah. versus flat. I mean, yeah. it's uh, all over. Well, driveways in this town. <laughs> Man, this this has been so good, guys. So so the yeah. last question I have is, you know, the name of our podcast is the Intentional Thriver. So asking you guys like what what does that mean to you in your lives what does that mean to intentionally thrive i think for us i'm thinking about the day that we both quit our full time jobs wow. you know that had benefits and salaries and all that and we were just like we're doing it you yeah. know mm-hmm. it it's living life on your own terms and just saying like he wasn't happy in sales my job was actually pretty fun but didn't technically pay that much and the government kept shutting down mm-hmm. you know not necessarily ideal either. So, um, you know, I think just being able to say, Hey, this is what we envision for our lives. If we want to, you know, take off, we're going to buy a camper. We're going to take off in our camper for a week and just pull our kindergartner out of school and just like go somewhere that we can. And we're allowed the flexibility to go where we want to go and do what we want to do and experience what we want to experience. We want to see all the national parks. We want to do all these things and being able to set up and structure your life and your children's lives so that you can do what fills your cup up. You know, your job doesn't have to be what fills your cup up. You just have to have something that pays your bills Mm -hmm. and allows you flexibility to do what you want to do. And that's huge for us. That's awesome. Yeah. I would say if you want to know what it means, (laughs) Come and spend a day with us. I mean, we are doing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we didn't sit back and wait for it to happen. Mm -hmm. On a daily basis, we're making it happen. Mm -hmm. And that was our plan since day one. We were very conscious about what we wanted out of our lives. And we've been taking steps. And, you know, sometimes we've been um, stepping backwards with that in order to move forwards. There's always things like that. But, I mean... On a daily basis, we are very goal-oriented and very focused in achieving those goals in order to have 
the life that we want, not the life that's given to us. Mm. That's so good. So good. I, I mean, and just to, you know, for not that it means much from from us, but <laughs> like you guys are yeah. intentional thrivers, and that's amazing. Yeah. And because it's like exactly like you said, Trevor, it's the pairing of those things. Like it's not just like, oh man, I just want to be someone who thrives in this thing. It's like cool. What's your plan or strategy to do that? And not only just sit back and strategize that. Then Hannah, it's like you're saying, like having the guts mm-hmm. to actually pull the trigger and to make that happen. That's right. So like putting those things together, you know, it, I'm sure maybe there's somebody who's just kind of had that ideal life fall in their lap, maybe. But mm-hmm. for like the 99.9% of the rest of us, like you have to be both parts, both parts of that and and go Great. for it and mm-hmm. be willing to make mistakes along the way not that you guys made any mistakes but huh? never you know, not yet another podcast <laughs> <Just> <laughs>